The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. Good morning. I'm Denise Wilson, and I'm happy to be your worship associate this morning. Today's service is lay-led. Our minister, Dave Dunn, will be back next week to ask, Alexa, what's the meaning of life? Today's theme is what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. On behalf of our lay service leader, Amanda Brawley, our music director, Alex Peach, our video editor for today, John Pruitt, and all the other volunteers who have put their heart and soul into this service, I'd like to welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, a church home that we affectionately call UMAN. A liberal religious community, UMAN is a member congregation of the Unitarian Universalist Association. Our open-minded, open-hearted spiritual communities help people lead lives of justice, love, learning, and hope and our faith and values are exhibited in our seven principles. Human's mission is to nurture our spirit, strive for justice, and transform the world. Human's vision is to be a vital and visible community for all, bravely working toward the day when social, economic, and environmental justice is a reality. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whomever you love, And wherever you are on your life and spiritual journey, you are welcome here, and we are so glad you're with us. If you're visiting with us today, please go to our website at uuman.org and fill out a visitor information form, and someone from our membership team will be happy to contact you. We have a few announcements this morning. Everyone is invited to the virtual coffee hour after the service at 1045 on Google Meet. Bring your own coffee for friendly conversation. For the meeting link, go to the human homepage at uuman.org and click the calendar link in the upper right corner. The link should be right near the top of the list of today's events. Today is the second Sunday of this year's second hour religious education program. Children's RE, held virtually, will begin at 11.15. The first adult education course of the year starts today and will meet from 11.30 to 12.15. The course is entitled The Toltec Wisdom of the Four Agreements and will be facilitated by Yasin Farhi and Dave Dunn. A link to this class can be found on the human calendar and under upcoming events on the homepage. Come join in the first session today and find out what it's all about. The Harvest Moon Auction Team is gearing up for the annual Goods and Services Auction, scheduled online November 7th through 14th, with a very special live event via Zoom on Saturday, November 13th. So please mark your calendars and be on the lookout for an email this week with more information on how you can participate. The next UU 101 class will be held September 26th and October 3rd from 11.15 to 12.30. Led by our new membership professional Ayana Kafi Stringer, this two-session class is for visitors, 
active non-members or even longtime members, anyone who wants to learn more about our faith or who is considering becoming a member. You will learn about Unitarian Universalism, our welcoming culture, and our long history of social justice. You will learn all about UMAN and our great programs, and you'll also get a virtual tour of the campus. If you have questions about the class or about becoming a member, please feel free to email the membership committee at membership at uuman.org. And as always, for more information on upcoming events, click the upcoming events link at uuman.org. And now a few words about our service today. Unitarian Universalism is a religion that inspires lots of questions one that gets asked a lot by newcomers and longtime UUs alike is, what does it mean to be a Unitarian Universalist? Amanda Brawley is our lay leader today, and she and several of our members will share their thoughts on this question with us today. And I'm sure we will all be thinking of how meaningful this is to us as we support one another in following our own spiritual journeys. Now, Take a moment to quiet yourself. Take a deep breath and clear your mind. Be here now in this virtual space together and prepare for our service. Hi, Shook. I'm so glad to see you. You're just in time to talk about our new capital campaign. Do you remember the excitement our small congregation felt when we began our first capital campaign for the building of the sanctuary? Oh, Bevge, do I ever. That was almost 20 years ago. We were young and sprightly, and you were a hardy, and the excitement at that time just continued to grow until we had our first service in the new sanctuary. And I think that excitement is beginning to grow as we start this new Raise the Roof campaign to protect human sustainability from the top. That sounds great, but what does it mean exactly? Uh, let me tell you. What we're going to be doing is asking the congregation to donate to Raise the Roof, starting with the much-needed replacement of the portico roof. The portico roof looks awful and it's leaking so badly that I'm afraid we'll soon need umbrellas to get to the front door. That doesn't sound too exciting. So there must be more, right? Oh, sure. The, uh, we're following Biden's build it back better. And what we're gonna be doing is the most exciting piece of uh, uh, replacing this roof is going to be the sustainable part proposed by the Earth Ministry. They've been researching the viability of solar energy for years, and I've determined that it's now very cost-effective and that human is almost ready for solar panels on our roof. Having these solar panels will lower our carbon footprint, will lower our ele electricity bills, and make us more sustainable. I say almost ready for solar because in order to put solar panels on the sanctuary roof, that roof needs to be replaced sooner than expected. Putting solar panels on an already damaged roof would be foolhardy, according to the inspectors and roofers that have given us estimates. So this capital campaign will not only replace the two damaged roofs, but it'll also make human much more energy efficient and lower our carbon footprint. So there you have it. Now that's exciting. 
Everybody, please help raise the roof to protect humans sustainably from the top by joining the excitement and telling others about this campaign. More details will be coming soon. By Linda Susan Ulrich. Come now, all who are broken and cracked. Come to the place where your shattered pieces are the raw materials of mosaic and kintsugi. Here you will find welcome. Among the armless dolls and cozy pilled sweaters loved exactly as they are. Come now, all who are thirsty and burned. Come to the place where cool waters and aloe soothe your bedraggled soul. Drink your fill and salve your skin. Then fill your canteen and return once more to the struggle, knowing the well will remain unobstructed. Come now, all who long for the stars, come to the place where that vision of infinity is written upon the people's hearts. Hold it until you've memorized the way. Set your compass to point towards hope and begin your journey home. In the mystery of life about us, there is light. It gives us a place to be, to grow, to rejoice together. It opens the pathways to love. In this place of friendship, there is freedom. Let the light we kindle go before us, strong in hope, wide in goodwill, inviting the day to come. For Wondering Time today, I'm going to talk about something really powerful, hope. And first, I have a question. Have you ever hoped for something? And did the thing you hoped for happen? I think that hope is kind of like an acorn. What do you think an acorn hopes to be someday? An oak tree? Here's why acorns remind me of hope. Now, if I just drop an acorn on the floor and walk away, would it have any hope of becoming an oak tree? No. To become an oak tree, it needs soil, water, air, and sunshine. Like an acorn, our hope needs other things to come to life. First, we start with our imaginations. We imagine that thing we're hoping for. Take a moment to close your eyes and imagine something you hope for. Your hopes are like acorns. They just need a little work, care, action, help, and luck to ever really come to life. Like an acorn becomes a tree. And here's an important question. Could you ever have an oak tree without first having an acorn? No. In the same way, every great thing anyone has ever done began with hope, with someone's imagination of what could be, plus action to help it grow to life. That's the power of hope.
now is the time in our service when the love that binds us is spoken aloud. If you have a joy or a concern that you would like to share, please type it in the chat now. Elizabeth Norris and her husband, Michael Telford, share their joy that their little one is turning two years old this week. She says he's the light in our lives and we're so happy he's with us. Rosie Pop shares her sorrow for Wanda Hunter, the social worker for Family Promise. Wanda's adult daughter, Taisha, died suddenly last Saturday, September 11. Wanda and her husband, Charles, will be taking in her three grandchildren, ages 7, 16, and 17. Please look in an email to come this week for details on Taisha's memorial service, how to send a card to Wanda, and how to contribute to a fund created for Wanda and her husband. Jennifer Ratcliffe shares her joy this week that her father turns 94 and he's in excellent health and sound mind. And I have a joy to share. Our son Todd and I just completed our chemical monitoring certification with Gwinnett County Water Resources and we are now official adopters of the stream in our neighborhood with the Georgia Adopt-A-Stream program and we can collect and submit data about the health of our local watershed. And now I'll drop one final pebble for all those joys and sorrows still too tender to escape the folds of our hearts. Let us keep one another in our thoughts for the coming week.
Hi, my name is Ashok Nagrani, and I have been a member of this congregation since 1991. Uh, just to put everything in perspective, I am the oldest continuous member of this congregation. Now, you might ask, why did I become a UU? I'll have to give you a little bit of background. I grew up in India in a family of very loving parents. Uh, dad was not very religious, but mom was. But we didn't go to the temple or go perform any of the rituals and ceremonies that Hinduism is known for. However, dad had a very strong Hindu philosophy that he imparted in all of us. And the Hindu philosophy is that there are three basic tenets of Hinduism. One is you're responsible for everything that you do, good or bad, that all of that gets written into a karmic uh, accounting system. And then finally, fellowship of uh, all human beings. Now, if you think back, fellowship of all human things uh, go, uh, aligns very, very closely with uh, our Unitarian principles. And so, why did I become a UU? I didn't really set out to become a UU, but when I found uh, uh, UU, I said, man, this is almost like being in, uh, by being back in Hinduism. And so I often refer to Unitarianism as Hinduism reformed. Uh, one of the main reasons I come to church is fellowship with like-minded people. In my professional life, both before I started my own business and after, uh, very few people feel the way I do. However, you're at human, it goes without saying, everybody has the same feelings, everybody has the same uh, likes and dislikes and beliefs. So I feel very, very, uh, very much at home over here. And that's why I'm a UU. The Buddha was asked by one of his disciples, what is enlightenment? To which he replied, the absence of suffering. He answers this question not in the affirmative or by stating what enlightenment is, but by defining what it is not. And I love how open-ended this answer is, how much the Buddha leaves the definition of enlightenment up to us. He also knew humans, right? He knew that we would respond or retort, no, that's not what it is. This is what enlightenment is here. And before you said, you know, etc. and so forth. This response is similar to his answer about God. He said, I do not speak of God, because how does one speak of the unspeakable, the indescribable, the indefinable? We use, we tend not to define our faith as much by what it is, I have noticed, but by what it is not. Many of us will say about our journey to the UU church, well, I was raised in a strict Catholic church or in a strict, in a Southern Baptist church. And that is to give the idea that strict Catholic is 
what I am not. Southern Baptist is what I am no longer. The Catholicism, the Baptist, was that was suffering. Now I no longer suffer. I no long I um I no longer identify with that, which is why I'm now you you. I also often find myself describing our Sunday services in this way. We do not pray in our Sunday services, but sometimes we have a guided meditation. We do not follow the Christian Bible necessarily, but all religious texts. We are not dogmatic. We are not anti-gay or anti-trans. It is true that each of us defines our faith, our adherence to Unitarian Universalism in an entirely individual way. I'm certain that my UU faith is likely unlike that of any other UUs. I like to joke that the Unitarian Universalist prayer begins as follows. Dear God, if there is a God. In 2013, I was engaged and had decided that Charleston, South Carolina was the perfect place to get married to Krishan. We spent a couple days in town scouting out different churches which in and of itself is odd because my fiance and I, we were never, we never really considered ourselves faith people or the type of people who would marry in a church. But Charleston charmed me with its elegant homes and unique history and ocean breezes and palmettos. And we basically knew nothing about um, the Unitarian church or faith. So we're scouting out churches and we turned down the corner down Archdale Street and saw the church and out front was a huge pride flag. And this instantly pulled us in. The universal marriage debate was raging then and had not yet become legal on the federal level. We may not have been people of faith, but we definitely are not opposed to gay marriage. The UUworld.org website cites that the UUA office of Gay Concerns opened in 1975 after three General Assembly resolutions and that same year some UU ministers began performing same-sex ceremonies. We toured the church like a lot of historic churches in Charleston there are docent tours during the day and we went into the office um, located in the building where they welcome children on Sundays and as we sat waiting for information about how to get married there, we saw a picture of the Krishna. Well, we were home. My husband is named after the Krishna. A church that embraces Hinduism, waves the pride flag. I mean, we were like, yes, sign us up, tell us more. But allow me to comment on the beauty of this church. Built in 1772. On the outside, it is a beautiful natural stucco color not as intricate or as the aesthetically pleasing necessarily as other churches in town like the Huguenot or the Lutheran or maybe the Episcopalian church. And yet this is by design. As we UUs tend to value inner beauty over that of the outer. And once you walk inside, it is a stunning sanctuary with stained glass at every turn and a fan trace robin's egg blue ceiling uh, to imitate that of Westminster Abbey in London, in London, England. It's just absolutely gorgeous. The graveyard, we were told, is not kept too tidy so that foliage and greenery can grow as a testament to the way that life endures even in death. 
we would stand in the same spot as countless thousands. They have no idea um, how many people have gotten married in that church. And we would stand in that same spot as thousands of people have stood for three centuries, connecting our future to a distant past. Well, obviously we liked it very much and the Reverend promised to keep the ceremony brief, so we were in. Fast forward a few years after our May 2014 wedding and a longtime friend gave me a card with the seven UU principles on it. I attended somewhat randomly for a while until a dear friend of mine, who's my daughter's aunt on her father's side, um, Claudia, she succumbed to cancer at age 47. I found myself lost in grief and attending every Sunday in search of healing. I'll never forget Tanya giving me a huge hug after I shared about Claudia's death during Joys and Sorrows one Sunday. And so our little UU church became not a place for me to forget about Claudia or my grief. It was not a place for me to keep her memory to myself. This church has been a precious vehicle for my spiritual growth, not only on an individual basis for healing, but as a means to become more compassionate and maybe less contemptuous of those whom, with whom I disagree on a worldview or political or even religious level. That is not to say that I accept injustice within our community or our world with buoyant enthusiasm. UUism is not a tacit acceptance of what is unacceptable, which is exactly what I love about our faith. Yes. Faith. UUism is defined not by what it is, but by what it is not. It is not an insistence that we are the only ones on earth with faith, or true faith, while those who have different faiths have none at all. That we somehow have a monopoly on the faith. It is not a political posture that condemns and holds in contempt those with which we disagree. It is not an insistence that we make decisions for others, especially women, concerning their own bodies, according to our faith only. It is not a faith that alludes to ancient texts, such as the Christian Bible, for, hom for evidence that homosexuality is a sin. It is not an insistence that we are sinless, that others are sinful. It's definitely not a belief that we are evil beings in an evil world and that we are only set apart from the rest of the eternally damned by a singular faith. It is not an adherence to an idea that this life does not matter, that the suffering on this earth does not matter, and that our only selfish eternal desires in the next life matter. It doesn't mean that the creator of heaven and earth and the universe and everything in between while being omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, somehow made a mistake and made us evil beings intent on sinning at every chance we get. Our faith does not insist that those who suffer from poverty do so because of their own poor decisions and therefore must not be aided by government institutions or programs or tax policy it is not a refusal to look at the ways that we and those around us uphold the institutions that have kept black and brown people from enjoying freedom from repression, 
and economic insecurity. It is not a faith that demands that we close in on ourselves and only fellowship with those who agree with us. Thomas Starr King once said, he's credited with describing the difference between Unitarians and Universalists. Universalists believe that God is too good to damn men. Unitarians believe that man is too good to be damned. Human is a generous community of people who give of our time, our talents, and our treasure to support the work of human. This morning's offering will be gratefully received using the Givelify app, or you may visit uuman.org and click the Give menu button near the top of the page. Thank you. Extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we meet again. By Leah Derland Jones. For those who came before us, we offer gratitude and thanks. May their memories be a blessing. May we feel surrounded by their love. 
As we go forth from this time and place, let us be inspired by their courage, their wisdom, and their dreams. Let us honor them by doing the work of living boldly, loving mightily, and creating heaven on earth. Amen and blessed be.